Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. our master ceremonies, and you, of course, our beloved audience. Saw a story this morning, um, troubling, troubling to me, and that's the uh, the former chairperson, Mr. Uh, or Reverend, I'm not sure, I think he might be a pastor even, uh, Carlton Ch- Giles, uh, who who apparently and, and unilaterally made a policy that allowed a number of dangerous criminals to have sentences commutated some, in case 10, 15 years chopped off their sentence after plea bargains, um, was reappointed to the board. And I'm, I would say, how is this possible? Anyway, joining us now on the hotline, uh, we've asked, uh, asked for some comment here. State Senator, we had her on the other day, State Senator from the 18th District, uh, Heather Summers. Heather, welcome back. Good morning. How is this possible? I mean, this this guy is uh, obviously. I, I mean, in my mind, he, he's he's kind of a loose cannon. I mean, didn't get this approval from the governor's office to com- commute these sentences. Pretty much did it unilaterally. Um, and, and I know he's not the chairperson anymore. I guess, but I mean, he's still on the board. What what went on with that? Well, I would agree with you. It's um, it's something that everybody who's listening should take account and look at how individuals voted in the House for this individual. You know, we heard repeatedly time and time again that Mr. Giles is a kind and uh, wonderful person, which I'm sure he is personally. Yeah. But uh, being, you know, kind and, um, you know, generous and, and um, thoughtful, does not mean that you are the right person for this particular job. It doesn't mean that the decisions that you've made in the past are okay because you are personally, you know, a great person. Uh, I believe as do many others that Mr. Giles, although, you know, it's within the statute that needs to be fixed, you know, took it upon himself to revise this policy. He picked the two 
most inexperienced members of the Board of Pardon and Paroles to be part of the three individuals who decided whether someone had their sentence commuted and basically was the captain of the ship steering the commutations down the pathway that we've all learned about over the past few months. So my argument in the Senate was, you know, thank you, Governor Lamont, for asking Mr. Giles to step down as the chair or not choosing him as the chair, but he still remains on the board. And I thought that, you know, the argument could be made and should be made and was made that you can't take the captain off of the ship and just have him be the third mate. They yeah. still have influence. People will still defer. And, you know, it's it's an unreasonable thought that that's not going to happen. So in the Senate, you saw um, all the Republicans uh, voting against uh, Mr. Giles' uh, reappointment. And then the House yesterday, it was a close vote. It was yeah. uh you know, it was 79 to 67. So 17 Democrats joined with Republicans in saying no to Mr. Giles reappointment. Um, that would send a clear message to me if I was Mr. Giles, that it may be an opportunity for me to resign and do something else. Um, he does not have full confidence of the legislature in being a member of this particular board. And the reason he doesn't is because of the policy that he enacted that has now Um, really sped up commutations and has allowed 44 people that were, you know, convicted, some of them with DNA evidence and, you know, actually confessing and eyewitnesses of murders, triple murders, murders and rapes, murders with firearms. We are commuting decades off their sentence. Now, if you listen to NPR and Mike Lawler and the Yale professors, um, you know, everybody who's committed these crimes was very young and they've changed their lives. But we're not taking into account, first of all, that's not accurate. But second of all, it's um, not even the issue. It's, it's not, not even the issue. The issue. The Forget issue is, about it. If you commit murder, you're taking someone's life. There is a punitive aspect to it. Right. And right. we have sentencing judges going through, you know, deliberation on what an appropriate sentence is for that particular crime. And this board is just overriding that. It's ignoring it. You know, actually, you can have somebody in prison do it, having a dual pathway to reducing their sentence. They are filing for sentence modification at the same time that they are filing for a commutation. Mm-hmm. So you could have someone who's gone in front of a judge and the judge has said, nope, the sentence was appropriate. We're not modifying it based on the evidence and the facts of the case and the seriousness of the crime that you have committed. And then a week later, the commutation board can say, yep, we're going to commute 30 years off your Senate. So um, I am very disappointed that the legislature did not see the correlation to continuing to have Mr. Giles on the board. But let, let's be clear, he's not the only issue here. It's the entire board needs to be able to weigh in. We have a new chairperson who I had a hour-long conversation with with some of the victims who seems much more attuned to addressing the wishes and the needs of the victims to make sure that Is this the person the governor appointed or, or suggested yes. be appointed to chair? Okay. Yes. Yes. And Wait, what, what is her name? Help us with the name again, please. Uh, Jennifer Zaccarini. Yeah. And she is, um, I think, somebody who's well-qualified in position to chair that board. The issue in the state now is we have to decide if we want to delegate this kind of authority to a layperson's board. 
And again, if you listen to some of the Yale professors, they will tell you this is a, quote, expert board. This is not an expert board. There is no qualifications. There are no qualifications or requirements to fill this position. You have people in there that are social workers. You have people that are in there that are history teachers. You have some that may be a former police officer. You have pastors. So they are not experts. So that is a you know fallacy. They are also paid very high salaries for full-time employment. If they work full-time, they're part of the feedback. Do you have any sense of what that salary is, Heather? Do you have any sense what that salary is? The chair makes, uh, Mr. Giles was earning $160,000 a year, and some of the other members that are full-time are making about $110,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So we should have requirements. We should have job qualifications. These should not just be, you know, appointed by the governor um, based on connections or you know, referrals, we should, they, they do not exist. Or if you look at the statute, they're so loose that I would qualify to sit on that board and I am not qualified to sit on that board. Um, so I encourage everyone when you're hearing the sides of the debate, sometimes you hear very one-sided arguments that are, are not, uh, you know, factually accurate. And, you know, words like uh, the Republicans are claiming that we let 44 murderers have their sentences. Well, that's not a claim. That's a fact. You can go to the board of pardon paroles and pull down all the information yourself. So um, the next step here is again, thanks to the governor and to this new uh, board chair commutations have been halted. They have not been halted forever. Like you might hear, Um, I've heard the rhetoric that Connecticut is the only state that does not have a commutation policy, which is factually inaccurate. And it is not, you know, it's on pause right now why we can revisit this, um, you know, this policy. There is a push to make the policy, whatever it is, um, to come in front of the legislature under regs review so that people are aware there's input. We can vote. There's a public hearing. Um, I've heard individuals say, oh, we just need to tweak the policy. Yeah. There's no tweaking. We need to revise this policy yeah. so that um, the and, state and of who's going to be doing the tweaking? Who's doing the tweaking? That, that's Democrats. a good question. There is a, <laughs> a, a board that has been put together or a yeah. working group by the governor's office mm. or the governor himself to take a look at it. But one of the things that I have stressed with the new chair, whatever you guys, whenever you meet, You have to have an opportunity in a public setting for victims, families to be able to come in and weigh in on what this policy looks like. You have to have them be heard because without that, there's this illusion of you're actually doing something. So we are going to, you know, stay on this and um, continue the fight. Uh, The victims, families are organized. They are mighty. There are many of them. And we are going to continue this until we have a policy that is acceptable, right, and just here in the state of Connecticut. So I'm on a website right now, and we're, talk- we're talking with State Senator Heather Summers. I'm on a website right now, and, and it's, a, it's a pro-commutation, pro-parole website called Restoration of Rights Project. And they list all 50 states in terms of their policies for commutation and paroles, and they rank them this way, rare, uneven, or irregular, sparing but regular, and frequent but regular. 
There's 15 states listed as frequent and regular in terms of commutation and paroles. And guess who's one of them? One of the 15 states. That's right. Connecticut's one of those states that this group that is pro-sentence commutation and pro-parole, this group rates Connecticut in the top 15 states of frequent or regular where we give people commutation of sentences or, or, or straight up parole. So, I mean, there's a lot of problems here, more than is tweaking, as you say. Tweaking is not going to fix the problems Connecticut has with our Board of Absolutely. Parole Absolutely. And I think it's really important to have these conversations on the air and publicly, and I will continue to keep speaking about this because the citizens of Connecticut, and this is bipartisan, this is not a Republican issue, this is not Republican fear-mongering, this is not Republican trying to create an issue. This is a serious issue in the state of Connecticut. There is bipartisan opposition to it. There is bipartisan concern what we're doing and the direction. There is bipartisan push to make sure that that board um, is reined in a little bit. And, you know, should we have a policy like other states do, that if the Board of Pardon and Parole provides a commutation on a murderer sentence, again, this isn't bank embezzlement, this isn't robbery, this isn't, you know, putting away for a drug crime. This is when someone's life has been taken. Yeah. In these cases, if we're going to commute a sentence, should the governor then have to sign off? Because without that, there's no accountability to the release of these individuals. And the Board of Pardon and Paroles was actually false. They lied when asked, has anybody re-offended after their sentence has been commuted? They said no. We found out that is not true. That is not the case. So we need to have, number one, trust in this board. We need to have accountability in the board. We need to make sure that we have a double set of eyes. Mm -hmm. For example, before we've halted commutations, there were three individuals from the board, Mr. Giles and two of the most inexperienced people, deciding, yes, the first person gets to the pre-screening, and then at the final disposition of the commutation, it was the same three people. So only three people out of this board yeah. was deciding whether somebody gets their sentence commuted. No, just, I would feel on something on murder, the entire board needs to vote. <clears throat> you know, not just three individuals that have been cherry-picked with yeah. perhaps the same viewpoint and mission um, to have these commutations sped up and doing more of them. An entire board needs to have a. But again, a vote why do we need a why issue. do we need a paid board? I mean, this same website, Restoration Project Rights, they list in a, in a, in a table. They list the types uh, who's responsible for paroles commutations, and eight out of the top ten begin with the first two words. Guess what they are? Governor decides. Well, right. and why are and we're not in that list, obviously. Case. Why why is the governor not doing his job and 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 being in, at least involved to sign off on this stuff? And now we have a, a a paid board. Is it just favor pandering? Is that we're just handing out payroll checks again to people who don't have jobs? I mean, I don't understand why the governor of our state isn't the person to decide this. And that may be something that the legislature looks at. You know, um, there is a long history, and Connecticut has delegated this authority for many, many years um, away. The governor has delegated this authority to this board. And um, maybe that's something that we need to relook at. Maybe we need a second set of eyes like California. They have a commutation board, but they also have the final say comes from the governor. Um, then at least there's, there is accountability there. And yeah. I, yeah. you know, 
this is a decision that was made way before I was elected in the legislature. But when you have victims' families reaching out to you, you know, on these vicious crimes that have destroyed their lives and, you know, have had them endure unimaginable trauma. And when the perpetrator has been, you know, convicted without question uh, or can, you know, has signed in onto a plea deal without question to go away for a certain amount of time. And then you have a layperson's board overriding that. Uh, of course, the victim's families are outraged. They are re-victimized, re-traumatized, and it's just not right. It's not fair. It's not just. Well, again, I think I think you're right. I think this needs to be publicly discussed. And let's. I, mean, I want to say that from the same table of, of of the process, the type process requirements, and the frequency, uh, Connecticut has one sentence. Many of these states have a paragraph about process. Connecticut has one sentence. Independent board appointed by governor exercises pardon power. Under frequency, this is shocking, Connecticut is listed as a frequent and regular state to grant pardon commutation. The overall rate of those eligible for both types of relief has increased steadily in Connecticut over the years from 47% in 2013 to 77% in 2018. So Connecticut is a long history, and, and I'm sure that's Mike Lawler at Al at, that's involved in that from, from 2017 up that it's increased to 77%. So pretty much everybody that goes for relief of some sort is granted in Connecticut by this board yes, that has nothing to do with the governor. The prisoners, right. So, um, you know, and, and the response that you hear when you mentioned something like that is, well, we're a second chance society. And I think all of us can believe uh, in that, that in yeah. certain circumstances. Sure. But when you've taken three people's lives and you've done it in a premeditated, vicious way, you should not even be able to sign up for a commutation. Yeah. You shouldn't even be able to have, uh, you know, that pre-screening hearing. There is a people need to recognize if you commit a crime of that nature, when you're taking people's lives, one of the most precious things that we could ever do. You're giving that family's, that victim's family, a life sentence. Yeah. So there is a punitive nature to what you have done. Mm-hmm. You have been, you know, judged by your peers. You've been found guilty, or you have confessed, or you have been found guilty with DNA and overwhelming eyewitness accounts and and evidence. Why is it okay that you are not required um, to, you know, pay the price for that and to? Um, you know, stay in prison for your term. You have an opportunity to go and appeal uh, that decision, which many of them have done, and those appeals have been denied. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to go in front of a judge to modify your sentence. Many of them have, and they've been denied. So when all those other avenues fail, you're going in front of a Connecticut commutation board, and they are granting uh, decades and decades being shaved off yeah. of your sentence so what's happened of course this has spread through like wildfire through the prison system so we have gone from you know a small amount of applications to i think this year there's about 437 applications to go Mm -hmm. in front of this board to have someone sentence commuted and i'm not saying that they are not warranted in certain cases but in the cases of murder and the taking of lives they need to be looked at through a different lens absolutely Absolutely. And I, and I think the whole the whole thing, I mean, obviously, we don't have the numbers to do this, but I think the entire process should be, if not abandoned and, and reimagined, as liberals like to say, 
I, I think it should be at least modified, and the governor should have to have a hand in this. So many states. Right, no tweaking. So this states. needs a great overhaul. This needs a total re- revamping. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Heather Summers, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Keep up we'll the good keep work. We'll keep you posted. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Have a All great right. day. Okay, we'll take a break, and then back to calls, 860-522-9842. Love to talk with you today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen to the Will Marotti Show on the free Odyssey app. Download and like WTIC and follow Will Marotti today. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. 1039. Um, for those of you who are interested, this weekend there is an IndyCar event. It is the Children's Grand Prix of Alabama. And uh, Barber Motorsport Park, beautiful, beautiful track there in Alabama, and just outside of Birmingham. And uh, that is Sunday and will be on NBC Network TV uh, at 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. The uh, the Grand IndyCar Grand Prix, Children's of Alabama, IndyCar Grand Prix. So it's uh, going to be a great event, great race, great track, beautiful, should be good weather. And uh, tune in, watch it, watch it with me. All right, 860-522-9842. Let's go to Litchfield and Dave. Dave, welcome to the show. Hi, morning, Pastor Will. I just picked up a copy of the New York Post yesterday, Thursday, April 27th. And on the the front page, on the bottom, who was on there but Randy Weingarten. Teacher's Pest, it says, union boss admits to pushing CDC to keep schools shut. Um. Wow. And the teachers' unions are, are like the Lucases of Columbus and Gambinos without the yeah. violence here. The teachers' unions are corrupt. I taught for four years in public schools. My parents were educators. Between the two of them, they had about 63 to 64 years of experience as public school teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, the teachers' unions don't do anything for you. I don't know if they change this now, but they take money out of your paycheck whether you join or not. Mm-hmm. As a new teacher, you're made to forced to jump through hoops. Um, you have to submit a portfolio of like a five to six unit instruction. So five to six days of instructions of one particular class. You send it to the, this bureaucrat in Hartford and they say, yay or nay, whether they, they vote it up or down, will you pass that or not? And I don't have any control over that. The principals don't have any say, the parents don't have any say, the other teachers don't have any say, 
some bureaucrat in Hartford decides that. Yeah. Uh, paging, paging comrade Stalin, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, but, you know, so, I mean, this, this mindless, faceless power structure in Hartford does that. But my parents, uh, my father started off, my mother's an elementary school teacher. And then she took time off for maybe about seven or eight years to raise me and my brother. She was a stay at home mom, but, um, she was an elementary school teacher, and then my father started off as a high school math teacher, and then he mm-hmm. became a school psychologist. And I can tell you, one of the things that feeds into the power of the teachers' union is the power of the government is many parents have abdicated their roles as parents. You know, uh, all you ever hear is baby mama, baby daddy, or sperm donor father. Mm-hmm. So that means it requires the educators to work harder. I mean, my father, they drove him nuts. They, he was a, when he was a school psychologist and director of special services, they drove him nuts toward the last five years of his career, and he just retired. He retired after 34 years, um, and he could have maybe put in 35 or more. But he retired, and it, it just more of these parents have abdicated roles of parents. More parents are they don't know where the father is. The parents are drunk or stoned out of their minds. Um, more and more dysfunction. So you rely on the teachers more, and the teachers have to work harder. So what do they do? They demand more more money and more power. Yeah. And our, our society is in a lot of trouble. But that was amazing that that pedophilia thing in, in Minnesota. There. Well, I mean, they got pushed back, but you know, who knows? It'll come back again. Right. But I think the big story what you're talking about is the fact that I pulled another article. Apparently Randy Weingarten, the, 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 the federal teacher, federal teacher union, big boss and Fauci were in, were in constant contact, constant communication. And, and, it, and she absolutely pushed to keep the schools closed um, who, who do we see about that? What, how is she going to be held accountable for ruining the lives of children, for damaging them emotionally? Who, who's going to, who are we going to see about that? She's not going to be held accountable. Right. Neither is Fauci. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another thing too, did she help the teachers? I mean, when they finally opened the schools up, the kids were out of control. Their, their minds were off in the twilight zone. Good luck trying to hurt them and trying to get them to do anything. So I don't think she helped the teachers either. Yeah. Um, a very foolish decision because I've had people you know, I've asked advice from friends. I've busted my chops. I made mistakes in life. This woman really needs to. She needs to, to go to jail, just like uh, when they caught. You know, who was it? John Gotti or, yeah, or all yeah. Sammy DeBolt, Gravano, or all those people. She needs to spend time in jail, just like I all agree. of them. Just I as agree. Much time. She, I, just like Fauci. I think Fauci should be arrested and tried. I, I just I can't believe the these people do incredible damage to our country, to our culture, to our kids, and and no accountability whatsoever. No accountability. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Dave, thank you for your call. I appreciate it very much. 860-522-9842. Oh, I don't know, folks. It's, it, it, is, it is troubling at times when there's so many. So can I talk about a good story? You want to hear a good story? Let me see a show of hands. How many out there want to hear a good story right here on the Friday edition. Can't believe it's Friday. Another week down the drain or in the books. Uh, how many? How many hands? Go ahead, raise your hand. How many want us to hear a good story for Connecticut? Here's a good story, uh, and we reported this earlier this week. Full Stack Modular, which is a modular construction company, is relocating its headquarters to the home of Joe Joe Castiglione's mother, Hamden, Connecticut, the country which designs and manufactures mid to high-rise multifamily buildings, hotels, student housing, investing 8 to $12 million in Connecticut, creating safe, reliable jobs, implementing cutting-edge technology, manufacturing housing for local workforce and students. 
The move is expected to create at least 100 new jobs in Connecticut by the end of the year. I, I guess there must be reasons for it. Governor Lamont, the Greater New Haven community would be a perfect fit for this innovative company. Look forward to their continuing growth here. State officials said no incentives were offered to bring the company to Connecticut. I, I'd like to know more about the uh, the CEO, Roger Krulak. Um, you know, I, that's good. Good for Connecticut, right? Good for Connecticut, so we'll take it. Modular, full-stack modular. All right. Um, in other news... This is a scientific breakthrough. Scientists have developed a specifically engineered biochip that uses electricity to heal wounds up to three times as fast as normal. It's well known that electric fields can guide the movement of skin cells, nudging them towards uh, the site of an injury, for instance. In fact, the human body generates an electrical field that we do this naturally. Researchers from the University of Freiburg in Germany set out to amplify the effect. So for people with chronic wounds that take a long time to heal, say elderly people in particular, or people with diabetes have uh, poor blood circulation, this this could be a lifesaver. Chronic wounds are a huge societal problem. That's why they have wound clinics everywhere. Of course, they use that, uh, what is it, Maluka? I don't know, is that, is that the, um, the honey? It's supposed to have incredible healing properties. You can get out in wound clinics. Um, chronic wounds are a huge societal problem, and the discovery of this method may heal wounds up to three times fast can be a game changer for elderly people. I don't know, a, a chip using electricity to heal wounds faster. What else could be next? Isn't that something? Just, wow, that's amazing. Now, in the presidential race category, you have a situation where the incumbent president is not wanted by 70% of Democrats. Joe Biden begins this. Now, this is just yesterday. This is from Gallup. Uh, you know, Biden just released the Twitter video that he's running again. Yay. As Joe Biden begins his re-election campaign, his approval rating among U.S. citizens has dropped to 37%, lowest Gallup has measured to date. Job approval, 40%. This is a Gallup poll that was taken April 3rd through April 25th. Only Ronald Reagan in 1983 had a lower ninth quarter average than uh, since uh, among all elected presidents in World War II. Since World War II. Jimmy Carter and Donald Trump had slightly better approval ratings at the same time, just about 40%. Four Presidents, including George Herbert Walker Bush, Dwight Eisenhower, John Kennedy, and George W. Bush, averaged better than 60% in office during their first nine quarters in office. Wow. 
Now, again, this this doesn't make sense because you have the majority of Democrats that don't want Biden running again. Yet in this poll, 83% of Democrats, 31% of independents, 4% of Republicans approve of the way Biden is handling his job. So this is just, this is an entirely confused population, at least on the Democrat side. Now, on the other side of the equation is the, the Donald Trump campaign. And for the Donald Trump campaign, among among Republicans, Republicans are 70% behind Donald Trump. So you got the majority of Democrats think Biden's doing a good job, but don't believe he should be running for president again. Then you have the majority of Republicans who want Trump to run again and will support Trump again. I, I, it, weird, isn't it? Very strange. 860-522-9842. Let's take a call. Newington, Newington and Jack. Jack, welcome to the program. Good morning, Pastor Will. Um, I'd like to just make a mention about the uh, commutation board, yes. uh, Mr. Giles. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if there was a lot of political pressure to appoint him. Um, if I remember correctly, I'm born and raised in Hartford, and about 40 years ago, there was a very, very active um, um, man, I think Abraham Giles, up in Hartford. And I'm just wondering if this is his son and there might be some political connections to this. Uh, I, 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 I'm not privy to that information. It would it'd but... be, be interesting to see, yeah. um, you know, if maybe somebody could call in and remembers the same thing and... Like I said, he was politically active in Hartford, and all of a sudden it's a political thing on the board. Well, I know Craig Fishbein, who's our our representative in Wallingford, where I Mm -hmm. live, um, has said he's a nice guy. He's a nice man. They've always had a nice country, but that's not the issue. That's correct. The issue is whether he's a nice guy. The issue is, is he competent? And if if you're going to get... Two inexperienced people make a make a try an an unholy triunion of three people, and allow forty five violent murderer criminals in some cases to have their sentences cut by in some cases fifteen years. Well, then you're not the right guy for the job. Absolutely. I mean, he may be a nice guy, may say, be the type to say, "Oh, give him another chance, give him another chance," but he doesn't realize that that person has committed a let's say serious crime. Yeah. Yeah. And that there's families involved, and where the deaths involved, where the families forever are going to have uh, memories of that. And yet the uh, person who committed the uh, crime is walking away 15 years off a sentence or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't that disgrace the judges, the judicial system? It certainly, it certainly doesn't doesn't look upon them favorably. No, in other words, the judicial system makes their decision, and they you know give a sentence. And all of a sudden, somebody says, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Yeah. And uh, I really wonder about this board. But I, the name Giles, uh, I heard it the other day on the radio with your show, and I meant mm-hmm. to call. But I was just wondering how much. Uh, well, do some, do some research, see what you can find out, report back. All right. Okay, okay thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jack. Appreciate it. 860-522-9842. Uh, let's grab that call, Matt. All right, we'll take a break. Tom from Hebron, you're up next. Give us a call. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
9842. Let's go to uh, Tom in uh, Hebron. Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, Pastor. Hi. Um, I overheard what you said about the uh, parole board issues, and I agree with you 100%. And I'd also like to add that the, uh, the, the, the parole board process should be dumped in Mount Vesuvius Volcano. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. So here's here's a story, okay? Nearly, this is from NBC News, NBC News. Um, nearly 70% of GOP voters stand behind Trump uh, amid indictment, indictment investigations. Now, you've got Biden at 70% of people don't want Biden to run. He named a new campaign manager, Julie Chavez Rodriguez, the granddaughter of labor leader Cesar Chavez, who was specious. Um, Biden announces his candidate via video on Twitter. Video because then they can edit it. They can make it look good. They can alter his voice. They can do whatever they want. Still, 70% of people don't want Biden to run. Does it matter? Does it matter at this point? Now, Trump's support is gaining. Here's what I think. This is why I'm still optimistic about America. Listen, in three years, basically, Trump took this country and supercharged the economy, then got things rolling big, um, oil exports, Super low unemployment, sustained unemployment, everything. Then all of a sudden COVID hits, which oddly enough, Fauci predicted would happen before it happened. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure he's like Kreskin, right? No. Then, Then Biden gets elected, maybe, and ends up devastating the country. Still, you can COVID over it. Joe's still throwing a wrecking ball at the United States. In, in, in two and a half years. So my point is this. If Trump got the, the, the thing to really humming in three years, the, with the country, of course, and Biden's wrecked it in two and a half years, well, then it, it's rebuildable. It's rebuildable. It's not like, you know, they, climate change, you know. It, 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 it's rebuildable. It's it's completely fixable. And I that's why I'm not, I, I just don't want to get gloom and doom about the thing. I mean, I know where things are bad. I know there's, Huge runaway inflation. I I know there's problems, but I I have to believe that the country is bigger than the problems, and I believe the American people, at the end of the day, have an insatiable lust for liberty. They love liberty. They love freedom, and and don't like in many cases what's going on with this country. And, and the majority of Americans think we're on the wrong track. So why in the world would they vote for Biden to keep us on the wrong track? I, I don't I don't know. You'll have to answer that. All right, guys, we are we are out of time. Thank you so much. It's been a great week. Appreciate you guys, all your calls, support, emails, amens. Thank you very much. We should have uh, Monday back with uh, Steve Bucci in queue and talk about some military things. And um, of course, your calls always make the your show so so. To me, interesting is to talk to you guys. And so we'll be doing that on Monday as well. 
Great job, Matt. Thank you. Awesome as always. My crack researcher, LJ, thank you. And uh, and you guys. You guys make the show. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. I know it's going to be a little rainy tomorrow, but that's okay. Hey, uh, New Life Church Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 1045. If you'd like to check it out, uh, High Hill Road, 350 High Hill Road, Wallingford. Go to the website, get more information, newlifechurchct.com. I'll be, I'll be teaching Sunday morning. Love to meet you. Love to hear from you. Anyway, hey, have a great weekend once again. Love you guys. God bless you. I'll see you Monday morning at 9 o'clock.